Good morning. Uh, we are blessed to be here. Last service, I came, you know, I thought I'd just get a head start because I'm a little gimpy. And uh, then Lance did his preaching thing, and so I just stand there for 25 minutes. And <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Uh, but anyway, we, this, Cindy and I, at this stage in our life, we travel primarily go to churches and, and visit with pastors and their wives and teams. And, and uh, this is one of our very, very favorite churches. Uh, it's almost like I've said before, it's like our vacation church. We come up here a lot on vacation and we so dearly love Lance and Cindy. And what I realize is I, I have a lot of friends in this congregation over the years. Uh, the, the famous Kelly brothers back there, or, or I should say notorious Kelly brothers. I'm, uh, and there's so many of you that I've, I've gotten to know over the years, and we're just blessed to be here. Uh, although I do, I do this, God's country is actually Great Falls, so I, I don't know where you got that. <laughs> no, Montana is God's country. How's that? Actually, it's all God's country. The whole darn earth is He is God's country. Amen. Well, I'm um, I'm kind of excited to preach this message. Um, I, I did a dry run on the first service and just to see how it worked out, because I, I I've never preached this before. Uh, at this stage of my life, uh, you know, I used to preach uh, er, almost every Sunday in our church for years and years and years, and uh, now I, I will preach in churches all over the Northwest, and, and uh, I think we did, we were in 30 different churches, something like that last year, and uh, but I, I'll preach often the same message. I'll, God will give me two or three messages for that year, and I'll preach the same messages. But I, I have not preached. I'm, I'm going to preach this in my own church uh, in August. But uh, So I'm, I'm trying it out on you guys. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm, uh, I was thinking, I was really kind of excited. Even just, You know, some preachers actually memorize their sermons. And, and there's preachers that will write it out completely. Some very famous preachers that do a wonderful job, but they'll, they'll basically read their message. Um, I, I get the points, and then I just kind of see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to a guy. He has, he has a church about six, 7,000. We were, we're friends, and we were talking about it. And he, I mean, he preaches his message to a mirror two or three times before he ever preaches it to anybody. And, and he, he knows probably pretty much word for word. And, and by the way, neither way is better because it's God's anointing that makes it work. You understand? It's not like this is this. And, and I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And, he, and I said, man, I could never do it like you. He said, I could never do it like you, man. <laughs> so, um, but one of the things I do for uh, my devotions, uh, I like to read different translations of the Bible. Um, and, and this year, I'm reading one from a guy from Kalispell. Uh, uh, you're saying Kalispell? Yeah. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who actually grew up in Kalispell, um, wrote the Message Bible. And so I've been reading through the Message Bible for my devotions. And, and uh, what I like about it uh, is when you read a different translation, you, sometimes scriptures you've read for years and years and years, you'll just see it differently. And it, it somehow grabs your heart. And this, this particular scripture in uh, Colossians, uh, I was reading the other day, and it, it, just, it just grabbed me. And, uh, it, it's, it, and it's something I knew. How, how many know you can know something, but, but kind of it's lost its power in, in your thinking, and then God will bring it back to you. So uh, Colossians 1.27, and this is, if you have a message Bible, if you have a phone, you can just find it right away. That's what I do. Um, it says, God wanted everyone, not just uh, Jews, to know the rich and glorious secret, this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Now, Paul's talking about this mystery. That's always uh, intrigued me in the Bible. When there's several places it talks about the mystery of God. And I say, what's the mystery in and uh, well, he's really clear here about it. He says, uh, he says he wanted everybody this glorious secret inside out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing. The mystery in a nutshell. Now that, I like that. This is its essence. It's just this. Christ is in you. That's the mystery. And I'll, I'll talk about just a second. A little. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. Now, 
when he uses the word message in the message Bible, he, it means the gospel. And so he, he's saying the gospel in its essence is this, is that Christ is in you. Most, um, every, every generation of churches has certain things that they emphasize. And, and if you talk to most people today, and in probably for the last 50 years or so, about what's the gospel, the gospel is this, that Jesus went to cross and died for you so that your sins are forgiven and you get to go to heaven. Uh, somebody say amen or something. I mean, is that good news? The gospel means good news. And, and I'm, I'm, how many are really grateful for that? But that's not really the gospel. Uh, it is the gospel. It's part of the gospel. But here's what the Bible actually teaches, that Jesus went to a cross and was the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for my sin and yours. One of my uh, favorite scriptures in the Bible is uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 2, 19, or excuse me, 5, 19. It says, God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, if you, how many saw the passion of Christ? And, and there's this gruesome depiction of the cross and all that Jesus went through. By the way, which is true, and when we think of the cross, we think of that. But that really is, that's, that's a picture of the terror of the cross. That's not the terror of the cross. The terror of the cross is all your stuff, your junk. And all my junk at one moment in history got put on Jesus. I, 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 I actually think about that whenever I read that scripture. And I, 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 I can't fully grasp it. But all my stuff was put on Jesus which means it's not on me anymore. And it's not on you. And so now I'm holy. When I, when I receive what Jesus did, I become, the Bible says I become holy. I'm holy Bob. Say hi, holy Bob. <laughs> but, but I really am holy. And so now because my sin is taken away, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did, now the Holy Spirit can live inside of me. And I am indwelt by Christ. I become alive. I was dead in sin, and now I become alive. That's the gospel. Not just that I get to go to heaven, but I, Christ is in me. Uh, the, another passage, or another translation says, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And, but Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, and you can, you can use them interchangeably, but it's, it's Christ, which means the anointing, the anointed one, lives in me all the time I got saved when I was four and a half and since that moment the Holy Spirit has lived inside of me now I have not lived like that all the time I had a long period of backsliding he, he never left me the Bible says he never leave I'll never leave you never forsake you I, I don't I don't think we're even capable of fully grasping what that means that Christ is in us if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, it, it, this is such a message of hope for you that that's why you'll be different. You'll, you're, you're changed because the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And, and so because of that, what we tend to think, we, you know, we, we, we want to understand things and so we kind of package them in ways that make sense to us. And we think, well, well, Lance has, Pastor Lance has more of the Spirit than than I do. That's not true. He has, because it's, it's, it's not a spirit like a, it's the spirit, it's a person that is in him and makes him alive. And that same Holy Spirit that lives in Lance lives in you to the same measure, to the same fullness, because it's a person, it's not a substance. Is it, does that communicate? All right. And so what does that mean? That means this, that, and I'm going to get to it in a minute. I'm going to start talking about what God, how to hear God because God's always speaking to you. Always. Because he's always with you. He's never apart. Now, people will tell you, well, God never speaks to me. I, I've, I've, I've heard that as a pastor. It's one of the common things that I've had people come and talk to me about. God never speaks to me. And it's not true. We don't always hear 
We're not even aware of it. In fact, I don't, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I think it's because we misconceive even what speaking to us means and what it's about. Let me, let me read you another passage that, that talks about all this in Romans 8. And this is, um, this is a great passage. Romans 8. Um, and Romans 7, Paul, uh, Paul talks about, <clears throat> he ends it by saying, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Now, how many have ever, how many would say, at least at some place in your life, even as a Christian, that could be true? You know, I didn't want to do that. I mean, I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to do it. But I did it. Ah, man, what's wrong with me? And then then he starts out uh, Romans 8, which is such a, amazing passage but and really controversial with theologians. I, I mentioned this last service theologians like to argue about different meanings of things when you read the bible pretty much take it for what it says and it's amazing how clear it is i mean you, you, some guys just like to argue because it makes them feel smart but really just read it and believe it amen all right, so that's, there's your theology lesson for the day. <clears throat> so Romans 8, he said, what he starts out with, he says, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. He said, so th- th- again, we, we were dead, in caps- in ca- captured by sin, and Jesus died to set us free from that, make us holy so that now he can live in us. So there's no condemnation because Jesus took the condemnation. There is condemnation for sin, but he took it. Now, just sometimes you've got to say what you're not saying. There, are, there is penalties for sin still. It, it, I mean, if you've lived any length of time, if you sin, you're going to regret it. I've had people tell me, well... I, I'm just, I'm going to do this, but God will have to forgive me. It, it, that's, that's really stupid thinking. Because um, sin really hurts your life and hurts other people's lives. But All right, so verse 5, let's get there. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation now. As those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. He's talking about a distinction. Before... When you were dominated or obligated, one of the words they use is obligated to the flesh or to the things of, the, of, the, of your natural feelings. And before Christ sets you free from that, you were obligated to sin. In other words, you basically follow the feelings of your natural person, your, your will and your body. And, and you, you know where that all takes you. And, but you were obligated. That's what, what Pastor Nate said an interesting thing. We're not fighting against people. And Christians get that really messed up. They get so mad at this president or this senator or, or this neighbor or this ungodly person. And did you hear their language? They're obligated to sin. And they have no hope. And you're sitting around filled with life and hope and going... Well, to you, <laughs> stop it. You know, now, I, I know none of you guys do this. I'm practicing for my church. All right. <clears throat> All right. So it says those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. <clears throat> now, it leads to death in Christians when they let, and there's a difference between being obligated and letting, when they let their sinful nature control them. All right? Uh, well, let's get back here to the Bible. Uh, leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. If you're born again, you have the Spirit of God living in you. 
So this verse is talking to you if you're born again. If you're not born again, I will help you at the end of the service. I promise, and, and it'll be the greatest day of your life. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, living in you. And remembering that one time years ago, I'm going to tell a little quick little story here. Uh, I was preaching at a church in Colorado, and I felt like God told me, give an altar call before you preach. And so there was, it was a small church, maybe 100 people there. I said, if you've never received Jesus in your life, if you're not a Christian, w- would you mind just standing? And, and this lady stand. I said, I want you to know, I want you to listen to this message, and I, I believe at the end of it, God will change your life. And so at the end of the message, I said, what do you think, you ready? And she said, yeah, <laughs> she got saved. So I don't have a lot of those, but that was pretty good. <clears throat> He said, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him. And And Christ lives in you so that even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. See? So you still are living in a broken body. Not just physically. There's a spiritual death about and when it says body it's not just talking about your physical being it's also talking about the even your mindset in fact one translation uses the word mindset uh, your soul that's your thinker but if you let the spirit of god control it, it over it, and it which it can and will then you can overcome that so this makes sense this is heavy duty theology here all right <clears throat> the spirit of god who raised jesus from the dead lives in you Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You can never use the excuse, the devil made me do it. Because he can't. Did you hear me? He cannot make you do stuff. You get to you could you can choose, but he can't make you. He can't control you. He can't possess you, because the Holy Spirit lives in you, and greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. Somebody say Amen. That's really good theology. All right, for if you live by its dictates, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you'll live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You could also read that all children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Now, not all children of God listen to that leading. <laughs> all right, we, we got... So, so that's, that's really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about how to hear God. <clears throat> um, when, when we get saved... And, and if you think, I was four and a half when I got saved. But when we get saved, something dramatic takes place inside of us. The Bible says we were dead and we become alive. And now God takes up residence in our life. It's not like he's got a room or is a part of our, you know, it's not like a, the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. It's not that like that. He, he possesses us, if you will. He, to the point where we're not even aware we, we don't like feel like I feel like there's a presence in me we, we don't it's not like that he just that's who we are now right. I am a person who in whom the spirit of God lives and, and that's why when you first get saved you make all kinds of changes kind of naturally you don't I don't want to do that anymore I want to do and it's it's, it's almost weird it's new now I, I was four and a half you know <clears throat> I was thinking about this Kids learn new languages easier. I have my, my uh, nephew is a has a mission in in, in U, the Ukraine, and uh, we we were visiting. There. They had to come out for a little while. They work with handicapped children there. But his son it was in the states finishing up his schooling because his son's twelve and he speaks four languages. He speaks Ukrainian, Russian, German, and English. I have a hard time with English. But, but what is, kids just pick that stuff up like that. And I, I think, I, I can remember when I was younger, I just talked, I didn't even think about prayer life. I didn't even know those words. I just talked Jesus all the time. 
because he was just a part of me. And, and then I started distancing myself from him and actually ran away. But you know what? He never, I, uh, you can't run away from God. I mean, he was always, if, if I went to a bar, he went in with me. If, and, and that was the least of the bad things I went to. He was always there. See, and, and by the way, he was always speaking to me. Yeah. <clears throat> now I went, no, 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 I can't hear you. You know, spiritually I did that. I didn't literally stand in a bar and go, no, 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 I can't hear you. But <clears throat> So I, I think we, we, we learn really quickly that, hey, there's something different about me and I can hear God. We don't even think, in fact, we don't think we, it's God we're here. We just know we're different. But then I think a couple of things happen. I think one, we, we learn um, to do it by habit. You know, I know, I know how God, uh, you guys all know how to be Christians. You're in church. And you, you dress pretty nice. And, uh, except for a few of you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <clears throat> and and you, you know what you're supposed to do and stuff. And so we can kind of do it out of memory. And we also like to do it because we like to be in control. I, I, the idea of somebody else controlling me bothers my ego a little bit. And so um, I, I, we were talking last night, and, and I actually, I have a friend that has a, a Tesla. And uh, he, he, when he's on the highway, he reads books. <laughs> he's a cop. <laughs> and and he, he drives down the highway reading a book because his Tesla drives for him. And now they're just starting in Sydney and I were talking about how we're, someday we're going to be too old to drive. I said, by then, we'll have cars. we just get in and say, go to Walmart. <laughs> and there he goes, you know. I think I'll really have trouble with that. Because for all my, I've been driving for over 60 years. I've always been in charge, or at least thought I was. You know, I'm doing a nice in Montana. I realize they're not always in charge. But, and, and so giving up that control. Now, young people will probably start out... They'll think it's the greatest thing in the world to have the car do it for them. But for us people who have been driving a long time, it's going to be hard. And so we're used to being in charge, and we're like that with the Spirit of God. We want to be in charge. But God says, no, I, it works better if I lead, if I do it. All right, so let, let's pray, and then I want, to talk about, I want to talk about how we hear God, and then I'm going to talk about how we, how we can get better at it, okay? So, and, and it may surprise you what I say about how we hear God, because I think... What we think is hearing God is not really what he's after. And I'll explain. All right, let's pray. Lord, I pray you help each person here, including myself, Lord, to hear you better. E even in this message, Lord, I pray that you, I say what I'm supposed to say. And God, you speak into the heart and minds of each person. God, you take the words that I say, God, and then you breathe life into them. And, and God, you, you tailor make it for each individual. I pray you do that this morning, God. You know where, where people are at, what they struggle with, what they're, what they're thinking. And so, God, I pray you just help them to process it and get what they need out of this. Lord, bless this time. Anoint my words, my thoughts. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right. I, I, did, a, I did a survey. I did, I'm pretty scientific. Um, actually, it's a very non-scientific survey. Or I, I talked to my kids they're all grown and they're all in ministry or, wor you know, worship leaders or something. And, and then I talked to my small group. We have a, a group of guys. They're all, we have one young guy. He's 69. The rest of us are all over 70. And we're called the porch dogs. You know, like an old dog lays in a porch. And, and so I asked them, I asked all these people, I said, how do you hear from God? What's it like when you hear from God? And, because I, I had a theory, but I wanted to see if it actually, if that's actually how it worked out. And it was interesting. It, there were variances based on personality, but the basic process is the same. Now this, this is not a message that I got all the answers. I'm going to tell you how to hear from God. I, I'm figuring this out as we go. All right. Even, even in my own life, I, I, want to, I want to get better at it. But I want, I want to discuss it. If, if, what I really want to get in you today is you go home and you start thinking about this. Because my, my contention is this, you hear 
way more than you think you hear from God. Amen? I've had, I've had people, as a pastor, one of the common things people told me, I never hear from God. And the other common thing I have is people that always tell me, they think everything they hear is God. You know, God told me this, God told me that. Both probably get it a little wrong. <laughs> Pastor, pastors are really apprehensive, but God told me people. Just throw that out there because I'm old and I can get away with it. Okay, all right, so, so three ways that I believe we hear from God. Number one, we, and I think this is what we commonly think it means to hear from God. We can hear when, with correction or direction is needed. Um, I, I've had, I don't know, probably three, four, five times in my life when I almost heard a, 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 almost a voice. I, I actually shared one a couple of years ago. I preached on the Father Heart of God, and I, I told the story how I, I had witnessed to the guy I was working with, and I was driving home, and he rejected me, and just told me, and I, and I felt so, it's like such a loser. And I, I thought, God, how am I going to be a pastor? I can't even do this right. I mean, how many of you ever felt like that? Just, I'm, you, you did what you thought was good. It didn't seem to work out. And I, I, was, I was doing this, Bob, you, you're never going to, you know, thing to my heart. And God spoke really, really clear. He said, son, I'm never going to love you more than I love you right now. That, that actually set my life free. That, it's like a pivotal moment in my life because I, I realized there had been an element of me all my life that felt a need to earn love. And God was telling me, my love's unconditional in, in such a wonderful way. And, and honestly, that's, that's directed a lot of my life since then. And, and I think there are times when God has to do things like that, when we're thinking wrong, or it's not even that we're, we got, like we're sinning, we're just, we, we just he's helping us. Um, in, you know, Paul had a great one like that. He was on his way to kill Christians to Damascus. Jesus knocks him off a horse, a big light shines, and a voice says, what are you doing, buddy? Well, he says, what are you, why are you persecuting me? And, and from that point on, Paul's life goes a different direction. I mean, when I was a young Christian, I used to lay in bed, and I'd say, I, I wanted those kind of experiences. I said, God, just do something, man. Knock me out of bed. Just do something. Did anybody else ever do stuff like that? Sure. And, and we tend to think that's the way God really speaks. Or kind of like when we get a prophetic word. And, and I, I think prophetic words are wonderful. First uh, Corinthians 4, 14, 3 says, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening and encouragement and comfort. Man, I've had wonderful prophetic words spoken to me that encourage me or even, by the way, never do what the prophet tells you if it doesn't witness in your heart and in the word of God and in with counsel you get. That's just extra. But it's really good wisdom, all right? But, but still, that's, that's dramatic when, when God says, young man, I have a word for you. By the way, sometimes when I'm preaching, I'll feel like God, uh, uh, maybe a point I'm making, and God will have me point out somebody. But those are unusual times. That's not real life. You don't live around with, I need a prophetic word now. Should I have lunch or should I have brunch? And we, we, but we think that's what it means to hear from God. And it, it's, a, it is certainly a valid way of hearing from God, but it's way, way out of the ordinary. The reason we think it's ordinary, because those are the ones that are recorded in scripture and people talk about. All right, you, you track with me? All right, the second way we hear from God is when we're involved in serving people. My, my, uh, my pastor was, uh, um, he was a God told me guy, the one that raised me up. He had, he had some issues. Sometimes God will use people with issues to raise you up. <laughs> anyway, uh, he seemed to hear from God all the time. Well, God told me this, and yeah, God told me that about you, and yes, I have a word from God. And, and I went out to past church, and I thought, I'm in trouble, because I don't have any of that. I never hear God. That's what, I'm, I mean, I'm, 
I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, but I, I, I knew that I didn't have any big gifts in my life. I thought, the, you know, I honestly thought the one thing I got going for me, I really love people. <laughs> I don't know how that measures up. By the way, it actually helps a lot. <laughs> After a year, I didn't like people at all. <laughs> and, and then God spoke, it's one of those times God spoke to me. He said, he said, you have a natural love for people, but it's not sufficient. You have to love them in me. He said, that's sufficient. I said, yes, sir, I got it. But here's what would happen. I'd be counseling somebody, and they'd ask me a question. I'd think, I don't have a clue. God, help me. And then I'd hear myself saying something. I think, that's actually pretty good. <laughs> what was that? That was God speaking to me. And, and now I, I pastor for 40 years. I've been having all the time of praying for somebody, and you just... You know what to pray suddenly, or you know how to pray, or, you know, and we get so weird. I, I, I love it when people come and say, I actually had a guy come and said, uh, I said, what can I pray for? He said, I want you to ask God. I said, it'd be a lot faster if I ask you. <laughs> <laughs> see, don't make this stuff weird. Just ask him and say, all right, God, let's see what you, to help us. And, and, but, but if you've ever been involved in serving people, you've experienced that of God helping you to do things you, you wouldn't be able to do or wouldn't know to do. And, and, and it's wonderful. But that also, that, that's, that's more normal. But that's also not the deal. In fact, I've got a scripture on that in, in Luke 2.27. I, I just love the story of they take Jesus to be dedicated. This old man, it says, moved by the Spirit, he simply went in the temple courts, and when the parents brought the child to Jesus to do for him what was the custom of law required, and he, he prayed over the kid. Remember that? And I, I don't think he, this voice said, Simeon, go to the church today. I think he said, you know, I think I'm going to go to the temple today. And then he realized some, God was, it's more natural. In fact, I think when we're, we try to make it kind of, spiritual I think we mess it up honestly I mean, we just let God lead us in it but here's here's what my contention is that the most normal way most common way is just a gentle direction in our hearts uh, Romans um, eight fourteen says those who are led by the spirit are children of God right, listen to this this is so good in the message bible says God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Here, here's what, what God wants to do in your life. He, he wants your life. And to where you live your life just kind of under his direction all the time. Just, um, I, had, I had surgery in January on my ankle. They, they fused it. And it's a really, really painful surgery, and it, the recovery's painful. But I have, I have neuropathy, and that means you, you, I, I get numb really easy, and I, and I, I don't have a lot of feeling in, in my legs. And when they did the surgery, they put a tourniquet around it, to, so it doesn't bleed so much because ankle surgeries, I guess, are real bloody. And so glad I said that. Anyway, <clears throat> but I, I had almost no pain. <laughs> My daughter had ankle surgery two weeks before me, and she's young and athletic, and she hurt like crazy for months. And I, I was off pain pills within two days after I was out of the hospital. And my recovery, you know, I'd go in the doctor, how's it feel? Good, good. Well, when they took the cast off and I put a boot, honestly, it felt like I had a block of wood down into my leg. I couldn't feel anything. <laughs> now I'm starting to feel, and I realized, oh, I really did have surgery, and there's real stuff that went on, and it hurts a little bit. I, I think we can get spiritual neuropathy to where we don't sense God like he wants us to. Does, does that communicate? My, my, one, of my, one of the daughters I interviewed said, it's kind of like when you're tuning a radio 
And you know, you know when it goes, this is Carl, and then it gets real clear all of a sudden. And you go, ooh, don't lose that spot. And I, I normally go past it, and I have to go, oh, I'm old, and so I shake. And, oh, please, look at it. There it is, K-Love. <laughs> and, and so what, what I'm really concerned about is not that you prophesy more or that God speak these big words to you, or, but, but that you, you just sense that presence and the voice of the Lord in our lives more and more. And, and I, I really want you to get, this is not for spiritual, for leaders, it's for all of us. This is how God wants to walk with us. And in fact, that was the purpose of the cross, was not just to get us free from sin, but to make us ready so that the Holy Spirit could now live in us. And so we live a life with Christ in us, but the body that this life is in is the old stuff. And by the way, that's why it says someday that will change. We'll get a new body. And I used to think, you know, when, when you hurt and stuff, you think, I'm going to a new body. My ankle's not going to hurt. My knee's not going to hurt. You know, I'm not going to need glasses. I'm going to have hair. <laughs> that's not what it's about it's i'm going to be my body's going to be then in tune with the spirit that's already in me amen so so how do you do that that's what i want to want to leave you with today let me give you three things that'll help you uh with your spiritual neuropathy if if you get the, the illustration number one is is the word of god nutrition now i i actually am not a doctor and i don't know if nutrition actually helps neuropathy, but I think it does because it seems to help everything else. <laughs> At least that's what my wife tells me. If you eat less of that or more of this, you, you know, and, and, and it's always junk stuff. You got to eat like kale. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a little bit demonic, but <laughs> you guys are way hipper up here. I, I went to a restaurant here several years ago and they said, we have something wonderful. It's called kale chips. <laughs> you, you know why they make potatoes? Because <laughs> the chips are really good. Kale chips are just freeze-dried lettuce or whatever. You know, anyway, anyway. So, but but nutri the word of God really helps me to hear God better. Now, he's always, he's always with me. there are parts of me that are just unconscious that are just a part of who I am and, and, it, and they make me I live certain ways because of that that's the way God is it's not like I'm always hearing a voice I just sensing when, when you come home and you look at the sink and it's full of dishes and you think I ought to do those I, I think that's the spirit of God speaking in you just God leading you. He's talking to you all the time. So, the Word of God. Listen to this. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. When I, when I read the Bible, I, I've read the Bible probably every way a Christian can. I've read it because it, you're supposed to. And I was really unfaithful with that. I've read it to be faithful and, I, I, and that helped because I read it regularly then. Uh, I, I have a little more, I have more free time now that I'm semi-retired. I read it because I really need it. And it's not like I need this scripture. On my days, I'm just different when I read my Bible. I really, really like my Bible reading time. I, I have loved reading the Message Bible. And I'll, then I'll go back to other translations. See, what, what, I've never seen it. Well, because he writes it in a, as a paraphrase. But man, I'm, I'll, and I'll, I'll spend way more time than I allotted. But I, but I have, nor, sometimes have more time. I have, I've been, I struggle to read my Bible when I go to other churches. Probably because you guys are, whatever. Anyway, um, he, listen to this. Um, in Hebrews 4.12, it says, this is a message about God means what he says. He says what he what he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open 
to listen and obey. When I am reading my Bible, I, I just start to hear God a little bit better. Sometimes while I'm reading, oftentimes when I'm reading, how many have had that? You're reading it and you go, oh man. I, I've read, I read Proverbs every day. I've been reading it for uh, 48 years or something like that, a long time. So I've read it through 12, what's 12 times 48? That's a lot. I, I still, I'll read, a, I'll read a proverb and I'll go, oh, I, that might even be the answer to something I'm working with. Could be just a, a new understanding of God. The word of God really stirs them. For, it's a language of the spirit. And so uh, I, I really love reading my Bible. I, I, and I, I didn't, use, I used to consider, even as a pastor, I probably was really, particularly earlier, probably kind of unfaithful with it and, I'd read a whole bunch, and then I'd go a week and wouldn't read any, and unless I was studying for a sermon or something. And, and now it's just like, it's, it's kind of like breakfast for me. Actually, that's when I read it. All right, so the Word of God. Number two is exercise, and, and that's serving. I, I talked about that in the first part, that when you, when you get involved in giving out what God's given to you, it seems like he speaks to you more, or like, like you... You just hear it better. I, I, honestly, one of the reasons I like preaching is because it's a little bit like communion with God for me sometimes. I always, our auditorium is split down the middle, and I always sit right there when I'm preaching. I had these amazing times with God because even in the middle of a sermon, God speaks. One, one time I was, I was preaching. And I was talking in English to the people, but this is what I heard in my, my coming out of me was, blah, 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 blah. I, I, I mean, it freaked me out. But somehow I kept talking about whatever I was talking about, and the Lord said, that's what it's like without the anointing. <laughs> so totally me, Jesus. <laughs> it was, he was teaching me something. This, Bob, this isn't about you. It's not your great oratory. This is... This is my spirit making it work. And I said, well, sir, I, I really want to keep on that plane. <laughs> All right. So when, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I get involved in doing what God made me to do, and, and one of my life themes is that God created every one of us with purpose in our life. You're God's masterpiece, creating Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. When you do that, in whatever measure. My, my wife is a giver. She, she has a unique grace to think of what people need and get it for them. She's just really, with our kids, every birthday party was focused around what the kid liked. And my one, one grandson liked, uh, what was it? Some superhero, you built a whole cow. You know, was it Batman or so? Anyway, but it, but it, but, she has, when she does that, she feels his pleasure and she f hears his voice. Uh, she makes craft type stuff and gives it to people. And when she does that, she senses the presence of God. And I believe she hears his voice. She doesn't even often think of it as his voice, but she does hear it. And that's the way it is with all of us. When you serve, when you give. Uh, Isaiah thirty twenty one says, your own ears will hear Hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, walk it, whether to the right or the left. That's how God wants to speak to you. Now, the last one, uh, my daughter actually stirred this in my heart. She said, I, Dad, I hear God in worship all the time. My kids are worship leaders. Or prayer. Uh, Psalm 37, <clears throat> verse 7 and 8 says, you're my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Interlude, which means, just think about this. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life and I will advise you and watch over you. I, I, I'm not even sure how to really communicate this. The Bible says, he says, God, you're my hiding place. I, I, I actually, I thought I'm going to get some really amazing nugget when I research hiding place out. You know what it means? You know what hiding place means? Hiding place. Now that's basically all you get. But there's something about 
that place where I'm just, I'm just with God. I mean, I can be at one of my kids' games. I can be, I can be doing anything, but there's a sense of just, I'm with you, Lord. When I was a little boy, I, I, I did. I talked to Jesus all the time. I used to kid. I, I, I always had really cute girlfriends, and I was a chubby little guy. But I had a really good prayer life. <laughs> now, now that's probably a bit of an exaggeration. But, but, but I, I, I just talked to the Lord about stuff. All those teenage hurts and stuff, you know. And, and when, when I ran away from God, and I ran really hard for a long time, the biggest thing I experienced during that time was loneliness. I, I missed my friend. God, you're my hiding place. You're my hiding place. I, I, if you serve Jesus, I can't promise you your life's going to be good and you're going to have victory all the time. The Bible doesn't teach that. And, and there are people who were horribly abused for the gospel's sake. But they were in their hiding place the whole time. Let me give you one last scripture. I, I think, can you put it up there? The, the, the scriptures I just had. Go put the, it says, Colossians 3 3. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And in that hidden, what it, what it means is my life's gone. It's not about me. And, and it, the truth is, it's often all about me. But it's really not about me. It's about him. It's about him when, when I have victory. It's about him when it seems like defeat. It's about him when I'm hurting. It's about him when I'm, you know, at the top of the mountain. He's my hiding place. I, I was created to be indwelled by God. And I am. And my victory comes. I've always struggled with these songs about breakthrough. Because a lot of times when we talk about breakthrough, we talk about our life getting better. I, I believe in my life, breakthrough is the more I'm aware of who's in me. And how I hold on to his hand. I'm, I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm a guy. I'm a big I'm old, I got experience. But I'm at my very best. Well, I'm a little boy holding my father's hand. When well, it's just, here I am, God. This is all you get. He said, that's enough. Because I'm there. I'm, this message, I'm even, I'm trying to learn it myself. I want, I want to abide in the presence of God. I want to just abide in the presence of God. I want him to be my hiding place. I want my voice to be his voice in everything I do. Can, can you say amen? Would, would you bow your heads? I want, I want to pray for you. I want, I want to pray first for this. And I think a lot of us, even as Christians, even as leaders and Christians, and maybe you've had a successful, maybe you lead a small group, maybe you're the king of small groups. But sometimes you can, you can do all that and you, you've, you've kind of lost the real deal. Or sometimes just because of life and, and uh, you know, I was telling Kathy Kelly, she's in a wheelchair, I spent 10 weeks in a wheelchair and, and just living is hard. And, and you, you just, you forget the presence of God. And so if, if, you, if you would, and all of you pray, be praying right now, just, but, but if you would like God to help you with this, to hear his voice better, because he's always speaking to you. No, not, if you're a born again believer, you can't say God doesn't speak to you. What you can say is I don't, I, I'm having trouble hearing it. And if you are, tell him that. And so if that's you, would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you. 
I, I know there's lots of this. I'm going to put my hand up. I want to hear God better. I, I, Jesus, I, I, I just need your voice. That's, that's who I am. That's what fits for me. Nothing else fits. Lord, you, you see the hands of these wonderful people. God, people you love. God, I pray that you help them. God, I, I pray that you deliver them from any spiritual neuropathy. God, you, even, even as they go about their week, God, that they just be more attuned to you. Not, not, not that you're going to do some big thing, but just that your voice is always there in their life. Healing and encouraging and teaching and, and comforting and just being a friend. Just help them, Lord. Second group of people I want to pray for. If you're, if, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you, you, this may be the first time you come to church. It may be the You've been coming for years, but you've never really surrendered. So you're not born again. So how, you wouldn't be able to hear the voice of God. And, and even the thought of you think, I'm not worthy of being God speaking to me. Well, none of us are. God makes us worthy because he makes us a holy temple for him. Because he takes away our sin. Or, or maybe you're like I was. I, was a, I ran hard for years from God. And... And he went and got me. He just, he just like the, the sister said, he, he ran to me. And if you need to come back, so if you need to come to the Lord or come back to the Lord this morning, I, I would like to pray for you. I just want to help you on your journey. If that's you, would you slip your hand up so I, I can pray for you? Just, God, I, I want to get right with you. Just slip your hand up. All right, I see the hand back there. Anyone else? This is so important. It's more important than anything else in life. You, you were actually made to be a temple, then you got corrupted. And God will make you right again so that he can indwell you. One more time, anyone else? All right, gotcha. Anyone else? Our Lord, you, you see the hearts and the hands. God, even possibly people are here that are just wondering if they should respond to you. God, I pray you help each one of them. God, help them on a journey to you. God, that, that, that you would do that wonderful work of taking away the sin so that your presence could come in their life. And Lord, if they've been, if that's happened in their life, but they've lost the ability to hear you, God, I pray you restore it as they repent and, and they, they push away the junk and your voice has become clear to them. Lord, bless them. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you.